It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is it time to reevaluate Tyler Stevenson's role as catcher number one? Do the Reds have an answer to the problem in the outfield? We answer these questions and more on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked on Reds. Thank you so much for joining myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction into information for you. This is now my fifth season doing this podcast. This is Steve's second season doing the podcast with me. We love the Cincinnati Reds. We talk about them on a daily basis. We are so happy that you have joined us to talk some Reds baseball uh, with us because it's what we do we encourage you if you're listening hit us up on twitter or if you're watching here on youtube make sure you drop a thought in our comment section because this reds team is worth talking about and we appreciate you and your thoughts uh lockdown reds is part of the lockdown podcast network we are your team every single day and if you're an everydayer we'd love to hear from you in the comment section on twitter if we're at the ballpark even come up and say hey love meeting everybody Whenever we're down at the ballpark coming up on today's show, the reds were off yesterday, but there's still plenty going on around this team because the big question that everybody is talking about is what do these struggles from Tyler Stevenson mean for the catcher position right now? We'll also look at what those questions might mean for the future of the catcher of the position. Just a little bit, uh, the, the peek into that future conversation. The Reds have an interesting problem in the outfield. Not a problem with Will Benson. He's a problem himself for other teams. But they they have a right-handed hitting situation that we've got to dissect a little bit. And the Reds are going to play the Guardians for the first two. The Ohio Cup, Steve, it's about to start that vaunted trophy that oh boy okay i'm just kidding we're, we're getting a little bit excited about nothing there. that's fine but let's start with the tyler stevenson of it all because this year has not been what we expected and and i feel like we have to ask the question because he's not been at all who we thought we uh, we who we thought he'd be as a player but does that mean that tyler stevenson should be supplanted as the top catcher on the depth chart well, it's a really difficult question, Jeff, and the unfortunate part of it is the answer might be yes, um, at least temporarily. Uh, I went out on a limb more than most people with what we thought Tyler Stevenson was going to be this year. I really thought the Reds' plan to work him into multiple positions, keep his legs fresh, was going to be a benefit to him, and it has not been. Uh, in fact, he's been outperformed by Luke Maley. And if you look at Luke Maley's numbers and you're going to get into a lot of what average catcher numbers is, I just want to say these numbers right up top because right now Luke Maley is hitting 252, 312, 449. His OPS plus Jeff is 100. And I want that to stick in everybody's ear because you're going to tell us some things. I saw your notes. You're going to tell us some things about catcher OPS plus and that number 100 matters. And we're going to circle back to that. Uh, does it mean that Luke Maley's a better catcher? 
overall for all time than Tyler Stevenson? Probably not. But the Reds are in a playoff race and you put the hot hand out there. And right now, I think Luke Maley's the hot hand. And it leads us to a bigger question of really what is wrong with Tyler Stevenson? What is going on? What what has his performance been? What does it mean? And for me, I think it means he's just having a bad year. I don't think it means he's suddenly become a bad player. Big shout out to our friends over at Reds Content Plus and Steve Mancuso. He wrote a great article kind of breaking down Tyler Stevenson's struggles. You got to go check it out. You can go to RedsContentPlus.com uh, right now and read some different stuff that they've got. But when it comes to Tyler Stevenson, uh, Steve kind of pointed this out in that last year, the, the small sample size that we got, the 50 games that he played while he was healthy, he was extremely lucky. And he had an OPS plus of over 130. You know, he was over 30% better than league average, according to OPS plus for the 50 games that he played. But he had a very high batting average on balls in play that completely inflated all of those numbers. And what's interesting is he, he kind of he looks at the 400 plus at bats he got in 2021, his first full rookie year, and they're pretty close to what we see this year with some key differences. The biggest part for me, and, and it was something that we talked about in spring training, I don't think I was on the same page homer-wise, but I definitely was still really, really overly optimistic based on how many home runs he's hit this year. The power has always been the same with him. His his isolated power. It's a statistic we did talk about in spring training. It's a crude way of explaining a player's ability to go for extra bases because what you do is you take a player's slugging percentage and you subtract his batting average from it, the idea being you get rid of singles and then whatever's left is just the percentage of time he hits extra bases. It's not been very good. In fact, in both 2021 and this season, he's 20% below league average. That's just a league average hitter when it comes to isolated power. So that right there is kind of the jumping off point for the rest of our discussion. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, that number shows him to be 20% below league average when if you also look at his OPS plus, he's 20% below league average. That's, it's very, very telling that that's, that's kind of where we land because uh, it's, it's been a real disappointment. And listen, this is not hate on Tyler Stevenson. I want to be clear about right. that. Tyler Stevenson has been good to us. He's come on this show. He's talked baseball with us. He'll do it again this coming off season, I'm sure, but it's been disappointing. And I don't know, maybe I was guilty Jeff of doing that thing that we do sometimes with guys like, Hunter Green and guys like Ellie De La Cruz. And, you know, maybe I got just a little overly excited and, and let that influence what I thought he was going to do. But I truly believed that the rest and keeping him healthy was going to make a huge difference in what he was going to be able to produce for this team. And maybe, maybe he's not going to be ever the offensive juggernaut that we hoped, that we wanted. Uh, and, and maybe that was an unrealistic expectation on our part. Yeah, and I think that some of the things that he's been doing this year, it's almost raising more questions than its answer. We we thought coming into this season, we were looking at him as that juggernaut, as, you know, almost like a Superman of the lineup type dude. And we said, you get a full year of health under him, he's going to show that. 
we're getting a full year, a year of health from Tyler Stevenson, and he's really brought up more questions. And you're right. We're, this isn't bag on Tyler Stevenson. This is just what he has provided and the worthy question that everyone right now in Reds country is talking about is, is he the unquestioned catcher number one? And the biggest thing for me, and it's interesting because, you know, we talk about the lack of power. His walk rate is very consistent. He's still above league average at drawing walks. The biggest thing that has really kind of changed is his inability to hit fastballs. And it's not four-seam fastballs. He's still kind of okay with that. It's cut fastballs, sinking fastballs, two-seam fastballs. The the high-velocity pitches that have just a little bit of movement to them absolutely confound him. In fact, it shows that in his rookie season, he had a 12% whiff rate against fastballs. This year, 25%, double the whiff rate. And in a day and age where the cut fastball is so popular, that has really been the biggest bugaboo of all of this for him. And it it makes me wonder some things. And I, and I think you and I talked about this off air one time. I don't know that I have said this out loud on a show yet, but shoulder injuries, clavicle injuries, arm injuries, they're all really wonky things. We saw this with Jesse Winker back in the day. And, and I know where Jesse Winker has ended up and how he looks right now, but there was a time there where all of his power went away and nobody could really figure out what was going on with him. And then he went and had some off-season shoulder surgery and his shoulder got put back together because an injury had derailed him and he came back hitting some bombs. And I wonder, I just, I wonder a little bit if that clavicle break hasn't affected how fast he can get around on a ball, hasn't affected his swing. Uh, I, I, I don't have any data to support could it that. it affect him defensively too? Yeah, it, it, it could. Maybe at some point we need to go dig and look at, I know there's bat speed measurements available that we can compare what his bat speed looks like this year versus last before the injury. I would, would not be shocked to learn that if, if his bat speed was faster before he got injured last year, it, it just, it wouldn't shock me, but it leaves us with a, a conundrum, Jeff, because, uh, I don't think that Luke Maley is in the Reds long-term plans as catcher number one to be around here for a lot of years. Uh, but right now he's, he's at least playing his way into the conversation while Stevenson struggles. And, and, and there's a lot of numbers I know that you've pulled out that when you compare the numbers that you're going to have for Stevenson with the numbers that Maley's put up, it really makes you want to develop a plan to get Maley more at bats. Yeah, and I think that uh, Maley's played him played his way into conversation for a contract for next year, maybe even multiple years, because number one, there's not like a catcher who's ready made in the red system that's ready to be called up. So you're looking at your two dudes unless you go get a Mister Outside hire to join this catcher room next year. And when you talk about Tyler Stevenson as it compares to other catchers, like we have been doing this thing where we compare him to Luke Laley, we compare him to 2022 Tyler Stevenson, all this other stuff. League average catchers have an OPS plus of 91. That's 11 points higher than where Tyler Stevenson is right now. League average catchers get on base just above 30% of the time. Tyler Stevenson's got an advantage there. He's pretty good at getting on base. However, catchers isolated power. We talked about that with Tyler Stevenson, how it's below average. Catcher isolated power is 158. it's, It's clear to me that at least this season, what we've seen from Tyler Stevenson, 
he's a slightly below average catcher, and that's not something that you or I expected. I did see, and it's interesting that I, I, I'm just kind of thinking of this, and this wasn't something I wrote into the notes. I remember preseason seeing, I, I think it was Fangraphs, had a projection for him that I thought was super pedestrian and something that I was like, boy, if this happens, we've got questions about Tyler Stevenson. And if I go back and look at that, I got to go look it up. But if I go back and look at that, I'm pretty sure it's right on the money. And that that's a bummer to me because I think it raises questions for the future. Yeah. So I told you it was important to remember that 100 OPS plus folks, Yeah. Uh, because let's look at those numbers. Jeff just threw at you league average for a catcher is 91. That's what catchers are putting up across the league. Average catcher, OPS plus Luke Maley is about 10% above that. He's at 100 right now. It swings a point or two, depending on how he did in whatever game he plays, but let's call it 10% better. Luke Maley right now, 10% better. Tyler Stevenson is at 81 right now. OPS plus. 10% below a 20% swing. Uh, there's an argument to be made that uh, the playing time allocation needs to change. Jeff, if it were me right now, until Luke Maley proves otherwise, I would work the catching situation just like the starting rotation in that Luke Maley would catch three out of five days. Uh, he's already Andrew Abbott's personal catcher. I would find two more guys and just have them start every other day. And then Maley gets back to back starts starter number five, bringing it back around to starter number one. That's the way I would do it right now. Now yeah. that could, the offense could change things. Uh, Tyler Stevenson could get hot. You can mix it up again, but until that happens, the reds are in a pennant race and you put your hot hand, you put your guy out there. That's getting it done a little bit better than the other guy right now. That's Luke Maley. And I'm not ready to quit on Tyler Stevenson, but I sure right. am ready for the reds to make the postseason. Right. And, and, you know, he's got six weeks. He could probably turn it around in six weeks. That's still plenty of time to change the narrative on his season. But, I mean, it's been a long season so far for Tyler Stevenson. And, I mean, I, I think I'm with you. I think there's got to be some underlying thing with that shoulder. Maybe that's something that gets cleared up in the off season. But right now, it's just it looks like he has brought up more questions than he's answered so far this year. Yeah. All right, Jeff, let's move on from Tyler Stevenson. Coming up next, the Reds have a problem in the outfield that may need to be addressed this offseason. We've talked about this several times, but could the answer be on the team already right now? We'll talk about that coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Ibotta. Are you tired of spending your hard-earned money without getting something in return? Uh, have you been dreading buying all of the necessities you need for your household? Well, it's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything back. Enter Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so that you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop to get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, or it just puts a little bit of extra money in your pocket that you could put towards anything else, like a flight you've been eyeing, or, you know, a trip, a little vacation spot to the beach. If you're living in Hawaii like me, uh, Ibotta can help you with that. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code MLB when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code MLB. That's Ibotta in the Google Play or App Store. Use the code MLB today. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Oh, and we're back. <laughs> How's that? Sorry, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> you can catch. Remember, if you can't get to the wow. All right. Remember, if you can't get to the ballpark, you can catch every pitch of the Reds hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just download the app and search the word Reds. Also, thanks so much for making Locked on Reds your first listen with my screw ups and all. You listen to me every day and I appreciate you. Every day is coming up on the next Locked on Reds podcast. We are going to dissect another Graham Ashcraft start. And here's hoping that it has been as good as his last few starts. He has been exciting to watch. All right, Jeff, I teased it up there in the last segment. Uh, The outfield is a question uh, in need of an answer. Uh, We've looked at the outfield. They've managed to get some great production out of some guys that have been around here, but there has been some looming questions on the horizon about what they're going to do with this outfield long-term, especially in this day and age of platoons where you need a righty and a lefty. You almost now need six outfielders or, you know, four or five outfielders. And then a guy like Spencer steer that can play infield and outfield to kind of round it out. Right? So that's where the reds need to get to. And they're not quite there right now. We thought uh, enter some guys being called up as injury replacements that uh, have played well enough to maybe change this narrative just a little bit. Yeah, because I think that, you know, if, if Nick Kroll is compiling a shopping list for this offseason, a right handed bat in the outfield right now is a must, I, I think. And yes, there are a couple of guys that I, I think should get a shot. I start with Henry Ramos and Ramos. He's, he's 30. I, I believe he's 31. I was going to say 31 or 32. He is a career minor leaguer. He had a cup of coffee with the diamondbacks back in 2021 before coming here out of the Korean league from last season. So there's been a lot of folks that have seen him do his thing and feel like he doesn't deserve a huge shot. 3,456 at bats in the minor leagues. Now he hit 284 in those 3,456 at bats. So there's something there. I, maybe his current batting average this season, he's hitting 265, but it's weird because it's kind of helped by a very high, not very high, but a, definitely a high batting average on balls in play at 353. League average is right around 295 ish, something like that. So almost 60 points higher than league average there. And he has a very low, we talked about this five with Tyler Stevenson is a very low isolated power of 0.74. So 74 points there, uh, difference between batting average and slugging percentage. So all those numbers say this, can he be more than a quadruple a guy? If we give him a chance, my gut tells me no. And I know that we don't have a huge sample size of major league statistics to look at for him. He's now played in parts of two seasons. Uh, He played some in Arizona in 2021 and now for the Reds in 2023. When you combine those two uh, stints in the majors, it amounts to a whopping 39 games, Jeff. It's not a huge sample size at all. In those 39 games, though, uh, career 237 
326, 322 on his slash line. Uh, right now, the Reds don't really have another choice. You're saying right. let's let's let him play Until it the out. End of the season. Yeah, got. Sure. Right. Yeah. They, they really don't have any other options. And why not play him? He's going to get some at bats. Uh, he could play himself into changing this conversation. Uh, the more I look at his numbers, you know, 3,456 at bats, decent sample size in the minor leagues, 284. Decent. We've seen players like this before. We've seen players that are 4A players uh, yeah. that can go down to the minors, continue to kind of knock the cover off the ball, get you excited again. You bring them back up, and they're the same player that they always were at the major league level. They can't really deliver. Aristides Aquino is the most recent example of this. The Reds would send him down. He would play super well at Louisville. They would bring him back up, and he couldn't hit a curveball to save his life. And he would go back down, and he would knock the cover off the ball, and they would bring him back up. And turns out he still can't hit that curveball. So I worry about that with Henry Ramos. I don't know that he's anything more than an adequate fill-in right now when we really need an adequate fill-in. But because there's no other options, what does it hurt to continue to run him out there and see what you've got? Does that mean that you give him at-bats that would go to Fairchild right now? Maybe. Because in the grand scheme of things, I think we know kind of who Stuart Fairchild is. He's always going to be that that fill-in guy. He's going to be that guy that can come up from AAA and give you 14 days of decent coverage until whoever it was that he replaced comes back. Yeah, he's like a sixth or seventh outfielder. I have him on this list of like, can we figure out who he is? I think we have. I think he is that quintessential quadruple a guy and maybe i'm just a sucker for a switch hitter and henry ramos is a switch hitter and that could be a weapon if he figures some things out but it's like yeah there, there's still plenty of numbers that that are just staring right back at me and saying i don't know that you're really going to find what you're looking for if you give henry ramos much more run and look the only run that we're looking for is the right-handed platoon side for the outfield i think that they found their dude for the left-handed side in Will Benson. And I think that there's a big argument to be made that TJ Friedel could be that guy. I don't. I think this is something we're talking about a lot this offseason where it's like it's not a foregone conclusion that he is, but then what's Jake Fraley to this team? There, there's the left-handed side I think that the Reds, they could upgrade from, certainly, mm -hmm. but they have a pretty high baseline right now. It's not a it's not where the right handed platoon side is because yes, Spencer Steer fits into the right handed platoon side, but he's also gonna play some infield too. So I think to say that he is the Reds' best right handed platoon option in the outfield, which he currently is, just really kind of underscores how weak of a group it is for the Reds right now. Yeah, I, I think that's a really great way of saying how this situation is because Spencer Steer is the best bat in the right-handed group right now. And that's some necessity. That's some just Spencer Steer wanting to make sure that he was playing every day. And that's some Spencer Steer uh, really wanting to be a team guy and help things out. But you're absolutely right. I don't think you can look at him as being the 2024 solution to this problem. Uh, and I don't think really, I mean, you know, the question, the way you phrase this is, is the 2024 solution on this roster right now? No, I really don't think they are. It's not Fairchild. It, it's, it's not Henry Ramos. Uh, it's not Spencer Steer. Not, and I'm not saying Spencer Steer shouldn't play every day. 
I'm just saying he's going to have to move around. He's going to have to cover days off. He's going to have to cover injuries. He can't be the guy that you rely on to pencil in every time that there's a left-handed pitcher on the mound to play left field. I don't think he can be that guy long-term. Between between hitting, but also the defense. I mean, we saw it in multiple different series over the last few weeks where it's like guys aren't taking the best routes to ball. And Will Benson's been a, a, a culprit of this as well. But, you know, we've seen some guys take bad routes. We've seen uh, guys that you can run on. It doesn't matter. Like, I, I need somebody who can be a consistent defensive force out there as well. If you're going to put them in as the right-handed platoon, like, it can't just be a a bat out there like the days of just having a hit first only and you not worry about the defense i think that's past if, if you're going to be a legitimate playoff contender you can't punt half of the game and, and punt the fielding aspect of things remember 2021 it felt like they were just punting fielding and they just say let's try and hit and score 12 runs a game and then that just didn't work out so th they've got to have bona fide right-handed outfielders on this roster next year. And I'm with you. I think it's Mr. Outside Hire at this point. Yeah, this position should definitely be on Nick Crawl's shopping list coming into the, the 2024 offseason. But I, don't, I, I know this, Steve. We got two games. We got an opportunity here for the Reds because the Guardians are coming to town for the Ohio Cup. And we'll look at a few key players to watch out for coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you in part by FanDuel. You know, football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you get bonus bets for every time they win in the regular season. That's right, you just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on point spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. You could sign up. Place a bet on the Bengals today to win it all, and you get paid for every win they accumulate in the regular season before the Super Bowl even happens. You can also join in on the baseball action every day, like today's Reds-Guardians game. The Reds are actually slight underdogs at home to the Guardians. I don't really get that. We'll talk about that later. And FanDuel has Cincy at minus 102 to win. You can also combine prop bets within the game to make a same game parlay for even bigger payouts. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. And remember, if you can't be down at the ballpark to catch every pitch of the Reds hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM map, just search the word Reds. You can follow the podcast on all platforms, including right here on YouTube. If this is your first time, make sure that you are subscribed and you click that bell to get notified whenever we've got new content for you. Also, join our Lockdown Reds community on Discord. A lot of great folks talking some baseball there. Uh, we got the link in the description. Uh, come join us over on Discord for Locked On Reds. All right, Steve. Um, I'm just going to come out and say it. the Reds need uh, the Re the Reds should take both games yeah, of this. Be a sweep. Absolutely. This is this is a this is a team that is beatable in the Guardians. No, it is. And the first game of this series looks like it could be at least while the starters are in the game, a bit of a pitcher's duel. Uh, Graham Ashcraft is going up against Logan Allen. 
And these two guys have both been pitching really, really well uh, over the last stretch of baseball. Logan Allen's five and five, three point five five ERA in seventeen games this season. Uh, his numbers basically break down like this: Jeff, eight point six seven K per nine and two point five one base bases on, on balls per nine. So he's walking two point five one guys per nine innings, striking out nearly nine guys per nine innings. So a, a batter an inning. Uh, he's done all this in 91 innings pitched. Uh, we've talked a lot about Graham Ashcraft's return, him turning it around. He's not been a high strikeout guy. He's getting a lot of ground ball outs, uh, being very pitch efficient, not running up a bunch of three, two counts. Uh, I, I'm kind of looking forward to this matchup, but I think that it's very, very winnable for the Reds in the first game of this series, uh, especially if the bats continue to go through this wake up cycle that they seemingly have over the last couple games over there in Pittsburgh. So uh, I'm kind of looking forward to this first one. This is not the Cleveland pitching staff of years past. This is not the team that is just going to absolutely shut down every aspect of the Reds lineup. Their, their starting pitching is solid. Logan Allen is solid. Their bullpen is pretty decent, average to above average, but it's nobody that you're worried about. I mean, when they get to Emmanuel Class A, he's a pretty good pitcher. Yes. Outside of him, not really anybody I'm super scared of. And the Guardians themselves, their front office, told everybody else in the league where they see their team at the deadline. They, they you know, took advantage of, of market plays and they sold high on some guys. Steve, when you sell high on guys, what's that first word in sell high? Sell. Y you sell. This is not a team that thought they were going to be a playoff team. It's not a team the Reds should, like, really be worried about how they match up with because I think they can take them. You know, it's like, you know, we can take them. We got these guys. Now there is an under the radar guardian that I'm kind of watching out for a little bit. It's right fielder, Oscar Gonzalez in his last 14 games. He's got 15 hits and 46 at bats. That gives him a 326 batting average. He does have four doubles and a triple to boot kind of one of those guys. Whenever you see a lineup come out, you're going to be like, I don't know who Oscar Gonzalez is. That sounds like the guy from the office and that's not Oscar Gonzalez. It's different Oscar, but he's also going to be a dude that probably gets a few hits in this series. Just kind of be ready for that. Yeah. And so with, with Allen on the mound, left-handed pitcher, Jeff, I kind of tried to put together what I thought would be a, a decent lineup for the reds to run out uh, to start off this series. And the key element for me in putting this lineup together was that it not include Kevin Newman playing. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's yeah. the foundation <laughs> I started on with this lineup. So thinking about it, you know, I, I with a lefty on, on the mound, I, I felt that it was important to limit the amount of lefties in the lineup. So, you know, Will Benson's going to get the day off and sit down. I, I did leave TJ Friedel in this lineup. So let's run through it. Uh, I'm going to bat Matt McClain lead off. If I get to make the lineup for this game versus the guardians, uh, Matt McClain's going to lead it off for me. He'll play second base. I then go with TJ Friedel. Now you're like, Steve, you just, said you were trying to get lefties out of this lineup well uh, i think tj friedel has earned a little bit of playing time against the left-handed pitchers in 62 he's at platoon bats, proof this season yeah in 60 at bats against left-handed pitching he's 290 333 403 that yeah. that to me you start him in center field uh he's batting second then i go with ellie de la cruz playing short you know switch hitter followed up by spencer steer playing third base batting cleanup 
Now our guy, we just talked about him, Tyler Stevenson. I don't put him at catcher, but I'm going to let him bat fifth in this lineup. And I'm going to put him at designated hitter and see what he can do with a lefty on the mound. Uh, you can't sit down all the lefties given the injury situation. So Joseph Daniel is going to get a start against a left-handed pitcher. Uh, and hopefully the Reds chase the lefty early and it doesn't matter. But Votto would be batting, playing first base, uh, batting sixth. Then your guy, Henry Mont Ramos. We just talked about him. I'm going to stick him out in right field. I'm going to let him bat seventh. Luke Maley, because Stevenson's already in this lineup, Luke Maley's going to catch and hit eighth. And then I round it out with Stuart Fairchild playing left and batting ninth. I think this is a lineup that can get to Allen just a little bit. And then, of course, you know, you pinch hit some of these guys out uh, when you get into the Guardians bullpen. I like this. There's one frustrating thing that means that Kevin Newman's going to start in this game. And that is because I don't think a lot of teams like to start both of their catchers mm -hmm. and, and get it stuck into a situation where Tyler Stevenson cannot switch out to catcher if something happens to Luke Maley, God forbid. Um, and, and then you would have to give up the DH spot for a pitcher. But you let Joey catch. It's his last year as a red. <laughs> let let him Joey catch. catch, yeah. He, he was drafted as a catcher. He was, you know, once once upon a time. Uh, but no, I I'm all for any lineup that doesn't include Kevin Newman. Well, it's not going to be. Fortunately, I feel like you're right. They're not going to put both yeah. catchers in the lineup, which means Kevin Newman's probably going to play first base, and it's just going to throw the whole thing off. But I tried. That's unfortunate. But hey, game two. You got a righty on the mound, and a righty that the Reds rocked back when he was a Dodger because Noah Syndergaard actually pitched at Great American Ballpark on June 7th. June 7th, very fateful day, Steve. First home run for L.A. De La Cruz. It was off of Noah Syndergaard, so that was a really good day for this Reds lineup. And Noah Syndergaard has been pretty human here recently. He has in his last 15 games, he's two and five with a 6.35 ERA uh, in his last three starts. Let's break it down a little bit more in his last three times out. Oh, and one 9.47 ERA. He did strike out 12 while only walking four. but here's the kicker in 19 innings pitched. He's allowed 20 earned runs. Thor lost Mjolnir a long time ago. Apparently mm -hmm. like, I mean, I know his nickname's still Thor, but we ain't worried about the Norse guy to thunder pitching in this game because, yeah, he's he's getting rocked. Uh, the Reds put it on him uh, in that June 7th game. He had three innings pitched, six earned runs allowed on seven hits. He did allow another home run on top of the L.A. De La Cruz home run. Just huge game for the lineup in that one. Hopefully they, uh, they go back to that and they just pile it on on Wednesday. I'd love that too, because I'm going to be in attendance on the Wednesday game. Hopefully we see another homer for Ellie De La Cruz, maybe another for CES and a couple other guys. But I, I, I really think that overall, just looking at this series, yeah, they got Jose Ramirez. I'm not really worried about anybody else. I'm not really worried. And, and look, Josh Naylor has probably been their second best hitter of the year. Like last week, he got an injury that's going to keep him out for like three to six weeks or something like that. So he's not going to be in this series. Um, Andres Jimenez is not really taking that next step. I, I, I'm looking at a couple of dudes that last year really put it on the Reds pitching, and they're not they're not really scaring you this year. It's it's Jose Ramirez and maybe somebody else. I don't really know, but I think the Reds should win two games here. Yeah, with with Ashcraft and Abbott both going in this little short two-game series. I'm calling it right Absolutely. now, Jeff, sweep. Absolutely. Two-game series, sweep. 
And that is how we are going to end today's Lockdown Reds podcast. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, remember that if you can't be down at the ballpark, you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search the word Reds. And that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Reds. Thanks for always making us your first listen every day. Every day is coming up tomorrow. We're going to break down this Graham Ashcraft start, and we're going to be talking about a win. In the meantime, Jeff, what can everybody expect from you and me? They can expect us to be locked on the rehab outings. Hunter Green, all those guys getting ready to come back. They can expect us to be locked on Connor Phillips and some guys who could be coming up from AAA. By the way, Connor Phillips is going to be a topic of conversation on Lockdown MLB Prospects. So join Lindsey Crosby after you're done listening to us here. And they can expect us to be locked on Reds every single day. I like how we flip that there. But that's yeah, gonna throw how could you... Off. How could you mention rehab starts and not talk about Kirk Casale? Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.